thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread, Episode 9. Um, today we're going to be talking from Mark Chapter 2. For those of you who are in ministry, working with other people in discipleship, uh, the Thread broadcast is actually designed for those of us who want to be an influence. We, we see ourselves as servants of the Lord, whether in an official way as a pastor or an elder or some kind of a, a someone in the church or in a parachurch group. I talked to a brother yesterday and he was working in uh, street centers and homeless shelters and youth centers. Uh, either in some uh, official organizational way or just unofficially, that you see yourself as being used by God and called by God into ministry among people, that you're not just living for yourself, but you are living to make a difference in the lives of others. And that's what Thread is really all about. We're trying to uh, look at the Gospels and walk through them in a way that we are now being informed by Jesus himself uh, as to what ministry is, what true ministry is. And today we're going to look in Mark chapter 2, and we're going to see that ministry involves the healing of people, the touching of people, and the meeting of their needs, but it also requires us to get comfortable with discussions about sin, about their sin. You know, we've got to deal with our own sin, but ministry involves helping people get free from sin in their life, and from what sin is doing to them. So get your Bibles, open to chapter 2, and we'll be right back. Mark chapter 2 is a story that takes place in Capernaum. Now, Jesus has moved away from his boyhood home in Nazareth, which is high in the mountains, to the west of Capernaum, and he has moved down now to this very busy commercial center at the top end of the Sea of Galilee, and he's gotten a house there. And uh, tradition says that he was in Simon Peter's house, although the Bible doesn't say that in this in this uh, instance. Uh, that's what tradition tells us. And a huge crowd was gathered. If you remember in uh, the previous chapter, he told a leper when he healed him not to go tell the story, and the man did it anyway. And the healing of leprosy was just an un unheard of thing. So this stimulated great faith in the people, and they have poured out into this little town. And it was found where he was, and they have filled up the house, and they filled up the yard, and they're, you know, they're just everywhere. There's so many people. And he is standing there, and he is preaching the word of God through the doorway of the house to all these people. And these men come, four men, and they come bringing a brother, verse 3, and they love him, and this man is paralyzed, and they're trying to get through the people, and it's just, you know, there's no space. There's nowhere for people to move. These are small houses. And so they go up on the flat roof of the house, and they just begin ripping out roofing tiles. And um, I never heard the end of the story about them repairing the roof after they tore it off. But if 
your house is really God's house, every now and then people are going to damage it when you're in ministry. So I guess that's a ministry lesson all by itself, you know, and you got to decide if you care more about keeping your carpets clean and your yard perfect than you do about people. So when we say, Lord, this is your car, I minister, you know, I want to use it to minister to you and uh, here's here's my house, and Lord, I want to use it in the ministry too. Well, just understand, people are going to knock red Kool-Aid over on your carpet at some point. And if you're running around all the time telling people what they can't do, then you don't have hospitality. One of the earliest things Sherry and I had to do in the ministry when we started outreaching and building relationships with lost people was a decision about buying an ashtray because people would light up because everywhere else they go they they would light up and all of a sudden they would look around and panic as their ash grew and they realized there's nowhere to put it in this house and i wasn't going to make it, i wasn't going to make the decision on that one because it's you know you're really living in your wife's house when you get married for those of you that aren't married a little, little hint there um and the Lord spoke to Sherry, although she had new drapes, new sofa, new everything. He said, you buy an ashtray. And she did. And that was a real breakthrough for us and for her in ministry. And then God started really doing even bigger things. So this house, whosoever it was, belonged to the Lord. And the Lord used it this day. These people broke up the roof. They let down this man on a bed. And Jesus saw their faith. Now, I'm going to include the faith of the man who's sick. But certainly, he is noticing the faith of the guys tearing off the roof and making such a scene and creating an issue, stopping the teaching. I mean, they just had to stop. That was another cool thing about Jesus and his ministry. He didn't, you know, like in church, if something a little unusual happens, like every now and then somebody stands up and says, Pastor, may I say something? And everybody just tenses up because you don't know if this is a crazy person or are they going to go on and on? They just want attention. But, you know, sometimes... We need something different to happen, something spontaneous that we did not plan. And in this case, nobody planned this. And Jesus loves these spontaneous moments. He just stop everything. Say, this is what's called the teachable moment. Everybody's paying attention right now. So let's use it. And he just sits there, waits on them. They tear it out. They lower this guy on a blanket in front of Jesus. And it pleases the Lord. What's he pleased about? Faith. These guys are so energized, absolutely confident. Faith means trust. It means confidence. And these guys are so absolutely confident that Jesus will heal their friend that they don't care about the consequences. And they are, you know, they're just going for it. And he loves it. He sees their faith. And sometimes someone else's faith can get you your miracle. You can get healed because of their prayer. Or their action of faith. Because faith is not all about talking. It's about doing. And these guys did something. Based on faith. And uh, this acting faith. Pleases the Lord. And he looks at the man on the bed. And you expect him to say. Be healed. Because that's what he does in other places. But he doesn't say that. He says son. Let this guy feel his his familial connection you are my son son your sins are forgiven you wow i don't think anybody saw that coming except that jews had a very biblical understanding about wholeness 
that you're not just healthy because your body's healthy. You're only healthy if your emotions are healthy and your spirit is right with God and you are full of faith inside and your money's doing well and you're being kind to nature and you're like one with the land and, you know, and your body is well. So then you're well. So in this guy's case, he has sins and talking to people about their sins and leading them to resolve their sins is a primary pastoral duty. Uh, it is something you're going to be involved in all your life if you're in the ministry. And you're not to gloss over this and say, well, you know, who am I to talk to somebody else about their sin? Well, you can be real clear about that. I'm a sinner, too. Now, we need to talk about your sin. Because when people get involved in certain activities and certain attitudes of the heart, whether it's bitterness or greed or lust or, you know, you name it, power grabbing. These sins affect us. They poison our life. They poison what happens to us. They mess up our relationship. And in this guy's case, this sin had some connection to his paralysis. You know, sometimes when people are demon possessed, you've got to deal with the bitterness and unforgiveness about something. They need to forgive and release and repent because those demons, you know, they have a reason to be there. They have a welcome mat that we've rolled out because we're not walking with God. We're walking against God's ways and the laws of God, you know, the rules, the moral code that's in our heart and in the word. It's there because to violate it invites darkness in. You can't. You know, there's touch and there's inappropriate touch. There's uh, ways to think and then there are, there are dark ways to think. There's conflict and then there is hatred. And you got to know when you're crossing into the dark side, you are bringing things into your life. And so there are a lot of people in that crowd that day that have sin. And Jesus goes to that topic. This man had sins that needed to be forgiven before he could be healed. He needed that stuff fixed. And if you're going to avoid talking to people about this, you're going to be putting band-aids on their cancers. Uh, if I could, again, if I could change one thing about the way the modern church operates, I would take out the concept of instant fix it with a pill, a prayer pill, salvation, that you just pray a little prayer and then let's play the organ music and tell you that you're now saved and send you home. And, you know, I'm sorry, that just does not do the work that Christ came to do in people's lives. If we could have people that, as they said, I'm serious, I want to follow God, someone in the church who was trained to be um Compassionate, well, you, you got to be compassionate, but there's you can be trained in the processes of compassion to say, well, okay, let's talk about repentance and what repentance means in your life because you have sins. Jesus has forgiven your sins, but you have sins and you need to deal with your sin. Let's spend some time. It may take a few weeks or months uh, and you need these occasional meetings. What else has the Lord shown you that you need to deal with? Who else do you need to go back and talk to? What else do you need to do? What is in your power to do to break the cycle 
and break the uh, power that sin is trying to bring against you. We need to do what is called on uh, by repentance. And so Jesus deals with this man. He says, your sins are now forgiven. Great, he can be healed. Then he turns to the other sinners in the room who were uh, clergy. And he turns to them because in their hearts, they are just, they can't believe he is declaring forgiveness of sin. They say in verse 7, who can forgive sin except God? Jesus, verse 8, perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning this way. That's an important Pentecostal um, distinctive because Jesus was every bit Pentecostal in his way of doing ministry. He believed in miracle signs, wonders, and healing and that the gospel is a gospel that brings you into the spirit world and that you are full of the spirit of God and you're at war with the dark spirits in the world and that you use spiritual gifts to do spiritual battle to set people free. And there is a thing of perceiving in your spirit. You just get an intuition and you know it's not just your opinion, but that you've been you've been uh, given a piece of information by the Holy Spirit that you couldn't have gotten yourself. And Jesus wheels around to these people as though they said this out loud, which they didn't. They just thought it. He wheels around. He says, why do you? That's a point. He wants to get to them. Why are you like this? Why do you reason about things like this? You think in this always critical, cynical, put down, negative way. How can you ever expect to walk with God? And then he turns to them. He says, okay, which one would be easier to say to this man? Your sins are forgiven or arise, take up your bed and walk. And the fact is those people couldn't have done either one of those. If they could have healed him, they would have healed him. They didn't know how to heal. They didn't have authority to heal. They just looked at the sick, felt compassion, gave them some money. And we bet we need to be careful that we don't fall into that as though we have no authority to deal with, with problems and with what sin does in this world. He looks at them. He says, okay, can you heal him? No. Can you say to him, your sins are forgiven? Is that easier for you to do? Well, you could fake that. I mean, you can't declare forgiveness of sin. You can hope his sins are forgiven. But you'd have to be the judge to be able to forgive. And Jesus says, okay, I want you to get it real clear. Verse 10. I have power. I have authority on this earth. To forgive sins. Understand that. Get that point. Because that's the heart of the gospel. Christ has come to forgive sin. And when he does that, he can set us free. Well, why does he have the power to forgive sin? Because he paid for it. He is coming as God's designate to take our place. And on that cross, he will not die as Jesus. He will die as you. And he will die as me. And he will hang there and endure the full punishment of God on us for our sin. So that he can say at the end of his cross experience, it is finished. And if you read it in the Greek, he says, paid in full. And then he gives up the ghost and he dies. Hallelujah. The Lord has power on earth to forgive sins. Not just one time. But all of our life, when sin wraps its tangled vines around our ankles and tries to pull our heart down into this world's way, 
Jesus has authority to forgive sin and break its power. So let's turn to him as our forgiver and our healer. Now in verse 11, he uh, turns to the man and he wraps up this session. He says, I want to call you to obedience. And he speaks to the man. I say to you, get up, pick up that bed and go to your house. And you know, now it's on the crippled man to believe in faith and do the thing that he can't do that he's been commanded to do. And the man rolls up, rolls up his bed, puts it under his arm and makes his way out that door. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all. They were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this may god do signs wonders and miracles through your hands and may he lead many people to forgiveness of their sins see you next time thread a singular thought expanded upon thread is the podcast of the emerge network for more information log on to emergenetwork.org